All right, welcome everybody back to another episode of the Biff Fights podcast. This is the last of three special podcast editions that we are bringing to you on the eve of the start of the March CFP exam cycle. Uh, with me is our program director over here at Biff, Brendan Flaherty. Welcome, Brendan. Adam, hello. How are you? Great. Great. We're better than everyone else, right? That's going to be listening to this. A lot better, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough. This is a tough. This is where everything kind of comes together, and it makes it hard to control your emotions for sure. Yeah, yeah. Which is what we're we're hoping to save the best little addition of this for for last, and and set you off into that exam just knowing a couple of good things to fall back on as you're working from question to question. Um, so why don't we just start things off with, with this question for both uh, Brendan and I'll add, I'll add as, as well. But uh, what is the just the one thing, if we could distill this down to one key thing that the CFP candidates should keep top of mind when they go into their exam, what would it be for you? So for me, I would say that that I would walk in there conceding that you're not going to get a perfect score, right? You're not going to get a hundred, and and so with that, it's it's all about minimizing the damage that you're going to to uh, uh, be inflicted upon you. So as we've said throughout these podcasts, through our classes, that this is not a math test, really. It's it's more of a reading comprehension test, uh, and so your goal is to make sure that you take your time. They give you an, uh, more than enough time to take this test. So take your time um, and don't let simple mistakes because you're assuming either at the end of a question or you don't do the, the, the job of reading all of the questions hits you with, a, with an X when you should have gotten a check, right? And, and, and on something that you know. So it's imperative that you go through an RTFQ and RTFA. So read the full question read the full answer and remember when you see an answer you have to read all your choices because just because an answer is correct doesn't mean it's right right so just be, your job is to to sometimes piss uh, to, to pick the best correct answer uh and and you may be given a few choices that all fit but you're going to figure out the one that fits the best that's great yeah that's simple right just that that stuck with me ever since i heard you share that with our students that it's it is more of a reading comprehension exam, and yeah, a lot of students have come back and said, yeah, the 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 question almost in some cases was the answer that I was able to read the question, and the question gave me enough to eliminate yeah. choices and get to the answer. Well, and that's just it too. So so you know the guesses, the standard guess. You, you, if you're you're better off statistically if you if you have you know if you have no idea on a question use the same letter every time you have, you know, I've never heard of this before, answer B or C or D and move on. A statistically is, is uh, a correct answer less than B, C or D. Uh, so just use this, don't randomize it. Use, use the same letter for every guess that you make. Um, but if you can, to Adam's point, if you can use the question to narrow yourself down to a 50-50 chance, you know, where you can clearly eliminate a couple of the answers, uh, well, then at that point, you know, try to take the best educated guess you can. Yeah, great stuff. And it's okay. Like, don't keep track of the guesses that you made. You're going to have, you're going to have a bunch, right? So don't, don't keep score as to how many you think you got right versus how many you think you got wrong. You have no idea what the passing score is for this test, right? So just, just keep moving through and don't worry about your score. 
Yeah, great advice. And do you do you think this is just going a, a little bit off of the topic? But I know that you, as a practitioner, when you sat for your exam, did did you find it difficult to separate what you do in practice from what you saw on the exam? I, I did when I was studying for sure, um, because you, you just get so conditioned to a way the reality of things, right? Versus the CFP reality of things. Um, and so I had, I had practiced, I, I didn't have it on my test because I, I had gone through it so much during, during the run up to the test, but it is, you know, to, it's a great point. You, you want to make sure that you're living in CFP reality in that test environment and, and not reality reality. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, that's hard to do too. Yeah. And I think one of the, one of the ways that you, you can get there and actually if this, if, my short list of one is is go back to basics to to stress the fundamentals so if you if you know a concept and you know a handful of facts about it seven facts that go there first before going to what you would do in real life go to those bullet points of just what is this what are the features what are the benefits because it's it's often from there that question writers will build a question out it's it's either features benefits of that concept or putting a couple side by side and then building a scenario off of that. So if there were one thing to keep top of mind for you as you're going into your exam, it's just to, to work the fundamentals. I mean, it's, it's something that um, like even recently I was watching some basketball videos with my daughter and uh, they had these professional players teaching skills for elementary school kids. And they said, even at this level, we spend most of our time in practice working on fundamentals. We spend right, most of right. our time working on the basics and just keep, keep that top of mind as well. What, what are the top five things, top seven things? How does it relate to this? And then use that as your springboard rather than this is what I do in the real world. This is how I'd handle it. Um, and I think that's a good way to checkmate that CFP world versus real world experience. Cause there is some discrepancy. Um, yeah, there, there is. And, and so, Adam, when they're writing these questions, yeah, to what level do they write them? Or is this is this for like a 15 year experience financial planner? What, yeah. How do they where do they land these things? Uh, three to five, three to five of applied personal financial planning experience. So like a baseline. Yeah, that's it. That's three to five years. And most of the time it's going to be at that level of application. You'll have a couple of identify type of things more. I always think of them more as the FINRA variety, um, you know, your series seven, where it's, it is largely about the, the facts and, and you can, you can kind of hone in to identify the right answer. Uh, with the CFP exam, I think writers are encouraged to up the level to application. So you're going to see a lot of scenario based stuff. And that's where it gets a little fuzzy too, because it's not as obvious as, well, that's on my, my note card. It's a matter of I now have to use the note card to springboard into the question and then solve the question with the best answer option. All right. So now we've we've talked about the one strategy that we'd walk in there with mm -hmm. from you know, and I have done a couple of behavioral uh, conversations in the past. So so from a mental standpoint, from a behavioral state, what what would you what would you recommend people start to do to condition themselves for this for this war that they're about to step into? Thank goodness. Um, I would say, hang up your hangups. 
right? That that if if you walk in there with 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 all the stuff, right? The the pressure maybe you put on yourself, um, just the time, you know, keeping the time that you put in, the sacrifices you made, top of mind, and you step into that place, it's going to feel like a pressure cooker. So when you put all of your belongings into the locker, also put your hangups in there and just, just step into there. Um, one of the things that, that we do with, with my daughter is uh, we, don't, we don't really refer to exams as tests. We, we call them show, what, show us what you know, right? Okay. And I think if you have that mindset, right? Put it all to the side. You're showing CFP board what you know and, and, and try to neutralize some of the, the pressure because often it's, it's, it's self-imposed. And it doesn't do anyone any good, ever. And and I know some of that is really deep seated, but the the more you can account for that, the more you can focus on the task at hand and take it a question at a time. But how about for you? Uh, so I, I would say that um, you know well I would agree. So so I think it's great advice. You know, be in the moment. Don't worry about all of the pressure that you're going to put on yourself coming into it and all of the consequences of passing or failing, like just that you can worry about all that stuff later. Um, you know, for me, I would say that you, you want to start, you want to start conceding to the fact that you might pass this test, right? I think we spend a lot of time coming into it. Like I'm never going to, how am I ever going to know all of this? And how is it possible for one person to know all this stuff? Right. But you, you should be getting to the point now where you think, you know what, this could happen. Right. And or, or, um, there's no reason why I can't pass this test. Mm -hmm. And then after yeah. you take it, especially for the March test, because you're not getting your results right away, uh, you'll have plenty of time to say, there's no way I passed that test, right? <laughs> and, and that's fine. That's, you can do that afterwards and, and don't worry about it. But while you're in the room, give the couple of days leading up to your test, if you have a couple of days, hey, this thing, I, I think I've done enough, right? I put a lot of time in and, and I think I'm, I'm at the point where I can actually pass this test. And, and there's nothing wrong superstitious wise to, to say, I'm going to pass. Yeah. 100%. I, I think that's awesome advice. And, and the stats really do back that, right? Sure. I mean, you look at first time test takers on this and uh, since 2016, what 65% of people are somewhere are in that neighborhood. Yeah. Passing. Yep. Right. Um, yeah. And that, that's possible. an aggregate, right? So, so that's, that's all the people that have worked really hard and all the people that probably didn't work hard enough. Right. And, exactly. and so, There'll be people that'll step in this room and they, you know, kind of looked at the stuff once in a while, right? And so yeah. those they're all counted in that 35% that didn't pass. Um, and so while the number seems like it's a lot, it, it's in terms of people that really put the time in, uh, I would argue that the pass rate is 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 a, a lot higher than that than that national average. Yeah, excellent. A couple a couple more questions came to mind. What did you do on the eve of your CFP exam? Well, so my my test my test was two days. Oh, okay. Uh, so it was a, a four hour test on Friday and then two, three hour tests on, um, Saturday. Oh, that's a doozy. Uh, and so I drove up to Boston and got in a hotel room. Uh, I looked at, at with contempt at the books. Um, and then I went out to dinner and it, it, much against the recommendations of everybody had a couple of glasses of wine. And then, uh, I took, the test on Friday. And I thought I might actually get a hundred on this test. Cause my Friday test I thought was pretty easy. 
And then so we went out to dinner Friday night because there was a group of us that were all taking the, the test at the same time um, and uh, repeated the Thursday night. Uh, and then Saturday was was punched right in the face by the CFP board. Uh, and then I drove home as angry as I probably have ever been professionally thinking like, I'm not, I'm not sitting for the bar exam, right? I, I don't, I'm not trying to be an estate planning attorney. And, and I think you find that the things that you struggle with a little bit on the test, you think are there more than they actually are. Yep. Uh, and I was, I was convinced there's no way I passed that test. Um, and then when I got the results eight weeks later, I had passed. So, um, you know, I would say that you know, what you don't want to do now, you're having the, the break in between the two tests um, or the two portions of the test. Don't don't use that time to correct what you think you did in the first oh, no. part. Right? Let that go. It, it, there's nothing you can do about it. It doesn't matter. So you want to just use it to lightly go through a couple of things that you might see on the second part. Um, but really use it as a time to decompress and, and, and get prepared for the second part of the test. Yeah. What about absolutely. you? What did you do? You took the test a lot uh, more recently. More yeah. So it was in the, the same format as, as today, more or less. And um, I had, I had someone that I was working for that said, you're, it's a requirement that you call it, you call it quits 11, 12 AM your time day before. And uh, we have a, we have a tradition around here that you have to watch a movie or a TV show and I, and I log it and we each get to share after you, you know, you pass, you know, what everyone you get, you get the reveal, what everyone else watched. So I remember watching uh, an episode of uh, Seinfeld's comedians and cars getting coffee. And I think I okay. watched parks and rec or something like something yeah. just to make me laugh. Right. Cause I was trying to, I was scrolling through and thinking like, I don't want to watch anything serious or intense. Uh, Terms of endearment. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so uh that that worked but you know what the the day of the first half was uh talk about those biases the the recency and and primacy i started out the exam with a long education planning question that had a lot of parts and that was tough and i carried that through a little bit too far into that half and i ended with a really really challenging uh, disability insurance that had a lot of moving parts. And uh, I remember stepping out of, of the, the place. I called my wife and I was like, I honestly don't know about this. Like, I really don't know about the odds. And, and in hindsight, it was that, that recency primacy. Everything in between was just fine. But I remember this started out like a beast and this half ended like a beast. Therefore, this whole thing must be a beast. Yeah, and that's that's funny because I, I I remember when I when I sat for my uh, my prep course for series seven. Yeah. Uh, the guy that taught it said that if I if I wanted to decrease the 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 pass rate for any standardized te standardized test, I'd make the first ten questions the hardest questions on the whole test. Yeah. <laughs> and I guarantee you it'll because people will just quit. They'll just say, oh well, this this obviously was a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, and and you know, so you just every question is its own individual system of points. Uh, and they all count the same amount, whether you think they're yeah. hard or easy, they're, they're all worth the same. So, so they're all important. Yeah, that's great. No bonus points. You don't get any extra no. credit. <laughs> Those no. two I just discussed were the same as the easy, the simple 20 second questions. And I got it questions in between. Right. Well, it's uh, like when you have anything, like when you read the pods, no one spends time reading positive reviews. They, they no. read the negative reviews, right? <laughs> Immediately. So just, yeah. We're all, we're all sadistic. Yeah. Yeah.
Um, and on that note, we're going to send you on your way. Um, yeah, don't do that. Don't don't get caught up. You have a you have a tough question. I mean, you have a couple of options. You either look it, you look it in the eye, and you work through it using the skills you have. You put a flag by it, and worst case scenario, like Brendan said, B, C, or D. Pick your choice, yeah. and then stick with it the rest of the way through. Um, yeah. And know that you have you have some margin here. There there, you you're not going to get the hundred like Brendan mentioned, and you can get right. a couple wrong and four weeks down the road, get that preliminary pass. Yep, and, and so, which is good, because then you don't have to like, like you're pushing a nuclear button when you oh, push the, oh. the, the finish button, right? I, I don't, I, at least I knew when I hit the submit button that there was no consequence to it. So you all have the, even though it feels like it's not a luxury, you have the luxury of being able to do that and then, you know, ruminate on it for the next month and oh, a half. Oh yeah, the longest, yeah. longest three seconds that you'll have professionally are when that little wheel is spinning when they're, yep about to reveal the results. So you don't have to deal with that. Nope. <laughs> but, uh, thanks for the time, Brendan. And thanks for, for the great advice here. And uh, we're just wishing all you the very best. Be sure to keep yeah, us. Good luck. Yeah. Let us know how you do. Let us know how, how that worked out. And um, looking forward to talking more about how this exam went for you. And all having right. you join the ranks of the CFP world. That's right. That's right. Do a little welcome, welcome aboard party uh, once right. we find out down the line. But for now, uh, take care. Thanks for tuning in to these special editions of the Biff Bites podcast, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.